We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host, and we are coming to you live after the first day of training camp. Football is back. I cannot wait to talk about everything that kind of happened today. We'll talk about some news and notes. We'll talk about some studs and duds. And, of course, we'll be aided by Tyler's on-site experience. So, Tyler, of course, we have to start with you. How are you doing, and how was the first day of training camp for you and Arjun? Oh, thank you, football is back. <laughs> My goodness, it felt so good to get back. And this is the first year in, in, well, two years, that we didn't have, you know, maybe are we supposed to wear a mask? Like, can we go here? You know, everybody's getting tested before, whatever. It's just football. It's great football. It's Chargers football. And you get to see, like, oh, there's JC Jackson. Oh, there's Khalil Mack. And it's it's just awesome. It's Christmas morning for all of us. Well, for some of us, and, uh, <laughs> and it feels good. Yeah, I was uh, trying to explain to to Brooke like the magnitude of the opening of training camp and like it happening during the week. Because, yeah. like, I mean, I I could take work off and like go down right, and so she was like, so "Do all these people just?" take vacation time to go to see the chargers practice and i was like hell yeah they do like <laughs> let's go this is the, this is a big deal so uh that was a fun conversation today um alex is here as well man alex how are you doing today doing good and i'm appreciative of tyler there so then i can write articles based off of what tyler tweets and all the other beat writers <laughs> so thanks let circle of content so just what tyler tweets then and daniel yeah well <laughs> yeah. you know we don't there's not a lot of them around anymore but <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, there, there are some good ones still. Uh, most of them happen to tweet after like the press conferences, though. So uh, if any of you guys are listening, we appreciate you. Uh, tweet more during the practice, please. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. So, um, you know, I, I think we've got to start this conversation, uh, of course, in terms of press conferences, just really quickly. It's not a news and notes thing. We're going to cover news and notes. But damn, Khalil Mack knows how to drop a mic, man. That that shit. Gave me some chills. Uh, Kalimak is coming, and I cannot wait to see uh, how that kind of plays out on the field. What a what a freaking moment for a press conference to open, to open the season. Can you refer? I mean, I don't know if all of our viewers know what you're talking about. What happened? Yeah, so the player press conference has happened. Uh, first and foremost, Brandon Staley's press conference happened, and we'll talk about some of that. 
Um, Khalil Mack was asked how hungry he is, how motivated he is. And he said, I'll show you. And then he walked off. And uh, it was just, uh, in terms of Chargers press conference moments, I think it's right up there with the best of them. I, you know, I would have to like go mm. through my memory breaks and, and figure them out how that would rank. But uh, Khalil Mack knows how to drop a mic, man. And uh, that was pretty, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I love Joey Bosa, of course. He does give great press conferences, but it's a little different with Khalil Mack. There's just something different there. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't wait to see that translate onto, onto the field. Yeah, I think if you asked Joey Bosa, how hungry are you? He would just like give you an answer. Like, I don't know what I'm having for lunch yet. <laughs> but like Khalil Mack just kind of like takes the mic and runs with it. So it's great. Yeah. I will say, though, that uh, Joey talking about Derek Carr last year is probably mm. another like great yeah. press conference moment. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we get another one of those uh, moments this year after week one. So, all right, I mentioned this. We'll talk about some news and notes first and foremost. Uh, some thoughts from Tyler, some thoughts from the press conference. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll we'll talk about some standouts, some players who did not necessarily take advantage of the moment today. Uh, and then we'll take some questions as well. So uh, I've seen a couple people uh, have some questions in the chat. Um, just wait if you can. Uh, you know, we'll have a, a little mini Q&A at the end of the show today. So uh, first and foremost, in terms of news and notes, I think we have to start with Kenneth Murray here. Um, you know, and we can talk a little bit about the linebacker rotation after that. Um, but, you know, uh, Brandon City, when asked about Kenneth Murray, said that he's been making some great progress throughout the summer. However, he uh, put a four to six week timetable on Kenneth Murray in terms of when we will see him out there and practicing. So um, the timetable that was set was a little jarring, but I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily surprised given how these this Chargers coaching staff has kind of chosen to ease players back into the swing of things. So um, if it is six weeks, that means that uh, Kenneth Murray would start practicing fully the week before the first game. Uh, which is certainly not ideal. This is definitely not uh, a great situation for Kenneth Murray to be in. Obviously, we hope he gets healthy, and that is first and foremost. But uh, if he misses four weeks, then he would start practicing the week of the last preseason game. So he would essentially get, uh, or I'm sorry, the week of the second preseason game. So Kenneth Murray would essentially get two weeks of full practice, two preseason games, probably not playing them. But theoretically, he would get two preseason games the week before the first week and then the game. So that's where Kenneth Murray is at. Alex, what are your thoughts here with uh, Kenneth Murray's health and and how he could potentially uh, get back into the swing of things, not get back into the swing of things? Where are you at right now with uh, Kenneth Murray? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the way they've laid it out for you basically is that it's probably going to be six weeks um, just with how Staley and the Chargers staff likes to keep it pretty cautious with that kind of stuff. Uh, definitely don't want him getting hurt again at this point. Um, It's very suboptimal. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a player in Kenneth Murray who obviously struggled last year, struggled to stay healthy. And, you know, now going into what is kind of supposed to be, you know, what Jerry Tillery's year was last year, right? Like this is your prove it year prior to picking up the fifth year option, not picking up the fifth year option, whatever it might be. Um, You know, it's a real bummer, but I, I am comforted a little bit more by the fact that they do have Kyle Van Noy um, back there, right? So I think the fact that you have him and Tranquil starting, if you cannot have Murray for, you know, however many games of the regular season or, you know, just all of training camp, 
that is the best case scenario uh, for the Chargers. And I was afraid that they would like throw Reader in there a little bit. Um, and they, they might still do that and tinker during training camp. But I think if Kenneth Murray's out uh, and you don't really have a way to kind of assess his potential and all you've invested in him so far, um, the best thing to do in the meantime is get Kyle Van Noyen out there and let the rest take care of itself. Uh, so huge bummer, but I we all kind of saw it coming based on the fact that he missed most of minicamp and you know recently had the surgery around then too. Yeah, it's a real shame. It's it's both an expected scenario, but also kind of to me in terms of missing practice time, the worst case scenario because he's probably going to miss six right. weeks, which means he's what he's going to walk onto the field week one and play against the Raiders, which I mean whatever, but like. I just don't see that happening. And to be completely honest, but the way with as many snaps as Kyle Van Noy had today at inside linebacker, specifically as like the starter, it was like Tranquil and Reader would kind of rotate with each other. But Kyle Van Noy was that starter. I think he's sort of going to be what Murray was supposed to be last year, perhaps. He was heavily, heavily involved today. And I think they're preparing for Murray to, yeah, miss those six weeks. And then, I don't know, maybe more than that, to be completely honest, just with the fact that they brought in Kyle Van Noy to play a lot of inside linebacker. They brought in Troy Reader to play inside linebacker. Like, they are preparing for Murray to be out. Uh, how long? I don't know. Again, they said four to six weeks to start practicing. But how right. that translates to actually starting and starting over Kyle Van Noy and Troy Reader and Drew Tranquil, who might be very good to start the year, it's going to take a while, I think, based on the way they've kind of what they've shown us. And with this timetable, it's going to take a good long while for Murray to actually be out there and starting. And I don't know if they'll officially commit to that anytime soon or not. Yeah, this is a huge deal in terms of roster construction or in terms of playing time for certain players. Um, of course, it, it really sucks for Kenneth Murray. I think we were all, I mean, going back to last summer, we were all super excited about Kenneth Murray's potential in this defense and what he was going to be able to do. And, you know, I remember Brandon Staley was speaking so highly of him after that first week of practice in uh, training camp of 2021. And this year, like we all want to see him succeed. I know there's been a lot of negativity around, uh, you know, Kenneth Murray's play, but like the peak of this Chargers defense is just so much higher. If you have a locked and loaded Kenneth Murray, you know, starting as your linebacker one or linebacker two, depending on how uh, you, you know, you kind of want to phrase it, but it's just it's so unfortunate to see a player go through this and you know we all love the the draft pick selection as well you know the kind of player and person that they were getting and it's just tough for me to envision a world where Kenneth Murray is playing at his peak at his absolute best this season with kind of what's going on and you know we'll see if he's able to you know play in week one but if he's not practicing until the week before the first game he might play a few snaps here or there, but they would have to ease him into the rotation, get his, you know, game speed back on track before they before he's fully comfortable starting and playing, you know, 60, 70 snaps on, on any given game. So this is just, I, I figured we wouldn't see him for the first couple of weeks of, of training camp, but after mini camp, it kind of sounded like he would maybe be involved in, you know, the first preseason game a little bit and kind of work his way back in and then have basically that that full month of lead up into the first game. But for, for Brandon Staley to suggest today that we might not see him at all in training camp is was just 
it was it was pretty jarring, man. To be honest, I was just like, okay, like this has changed a lot since minicamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do they have their buy? Their buy is week eight this year. <sighs> that seems like way too long, yeah. obviously, for him to get out there. Like, I don't think it's that. But in terms of putting him back in the starting lineup, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where we're headed. Things could change, sure. But so far, A, he's an oft-injured player. And B, like this hasn't this surgery or this problem has been worse than they expected. Now we have a six-week timetable where he's not practicing. I think it might take till week eight and that buy for him to actually be a part, like or actually be the starter again. I think we're gonna get maybe he doesn't play maybe the first couple of games. And then I think we'll get something like we did in week 18 last year, where he's kind of like Drew Tranquil, where he just kind of subs in where he can. But you have maybe more your two starters, that being White and Murray last year. So I think it's going to be a bit. And frankly, if he's missing a couple of games and he's not really the starter until week eight, that's a tough evaluation for a guy that you need to really make a decision on. I mean, if you're talking about nine regular season games, or I guess that would be 10, right? Yeah, that would be 10 regular season games plus potentially playoffs. Like, is that enough really to have uh, an, enough evaluation information on to pick up a fifth-year option? Like, this this is just awful news today for, for Kenneth Murray. And maybe it's the four weeks. Maybe we're over-exaggerating. Maybe he comes back after four weeks and everything is fine. But uh, I, I'm nervous about this, to say the least. Yeah, and, and he's officially not going to play in the preseason. Like, he, I doubt, even if he's cleared in four weeks of practice, no. not no. playing in the preseason. So this guy's supposed to learn and get involved with this scheme and everything going on and like, and then immediately start week one. It's just, it's a bad situation. This stinks. It really stinks to see this happen to him. I mean, look, there's a, there's a track record of uh, underperforming first round picks who don't play in the preseason as they enter their third year. There's a, there's a, there's a pattern here, so... Unfortunately um, for Kenneth Murray, it's not really optional, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So in, in terms of the rotation after him, I guess I was at least slightly surprised that it ended up being Kyle Van Noy. I mean, we all uh, have essentially thought that he was going to be primarily playing at, at the edge, on the edge, and, and be kind of that secondary pass rusher. I, I don't really know how I feel about Kyle Van Noy being linebacker one and also rotating at edge from time to time. Because for me, I feel like you want him being one of those roles needs to be like his primary role. And then the other role needs to be like a 10 snaps a game kind of role. And so for me, I'd rather have Kyle Benoit on the edge and then deal with Tranquil and Troy Reader at linebacker, as opposed to Chris Rumpf and Jamal Davis, MK Egbele, whatever rotation is there at edge. So uh, I guess, Tyler, your, your thoughts here as it pay, pertains to Kyle Vanoy being like linebacker one at this point. Guess it's the first day of training camp. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it is important. Like, you know, Kenneth Murray's not going to be on the field for four weeks. You start the day of training camp with Kyle Vanoy as your linebacker one. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts here? Again, one day. So bear with me here. Is this probably completely wrong? To me, it feels like they just wanted to get someone who could replicate what Kyle or with Kenneth Murray, excuse me is going to do in this defense. And I think they're just like, okay. So naturally that would be Kyle Van Noy. So we're going to have him out there to kind of work the defense that we'd like to see once Kenneth Murray is back to healthy. And then when, you know, I think Kyle Van Noy is just going to be occasionally that inside linebacker and really be that edge three, kind of like we expect. I actually don't know if he really is going to be the linebacker one as much as he's just going out there to replicate exactly what they want from Kenneth Murray. 
and then Tranquil and Reader are going to rotate as the other inside linebacker. So we'll see kind of more as, as things progress. But I, I do think, yes, he did play a lot of snaps, and I do think he's going to have a big role. I'm wondering if it's just to replicate the kind of defense and what they want to see in terms of coverages and responsibilities. And then maybe when Kenneth Murray comes back, everything goes back to normal, if you will. Yeah, um, that's kind of like, a. would you rather have Kyle Van Noy at linebacker or at edge in absence of Kenneth Murray? Because then that's basically like, do you want Reader or Rumpf playing significant snaps is the question. Um, I'm sort of on team put Kyle Van Noy at linebacker at this point, uh, just because, I mean, look, you're going to be dealing with Kenneth Murray probably till week eight in this state for him to get back to, you know, being a starter, like Tyler said. I do not trust Troy Reader uh, much at all when it comes to pass coverage. Sure. I don't trust Troy Reader really as an open field tackler either. I mean, he's like an okay body to have out there in Staley's system. Um, but, you know, for looking to improve this run defense to what it can be, I feel much better about having Van Noy out there. Um, and then you have Mac and Bosa on the edge. And look, you can also adjust this based on if Bosa and Mac stay healthy as well, right? Sure. Because if one of them gets hurt, you know, let's say week three, then you can probably put Kyle Van Noy back to a full-time edge role uh, or, you know, close to a full-time edge role, obviously splitting maybe 10 snaps a game at linebacker still or something. Um, so, you know, you can kind of adjust it based on that too, but they're really hurting a linebacker right now. They're more hurt at linebacker after today. And for me, I think you just kind of go with the best player there, especially in a year where they can't really afford to have their linebackers be bottom tier again, even though, you know, obviously it's, you know, less important in this defense. Yeah, they... (laughs) The linebacker thing is really interesting because obviously we know like cap wise linebacker is not super valuable to this defense, but at the same time, like they ask a lot of their linebackers, like their, their linebackers have to be consistent. They have to be playmakers or the defense just doesn't work. So um, it is an interesting thing. So we'll move on to the next one, um, which is obviously Derwin James uh, did not practice today with a shoulder injury and in air quotations. Uh, really, he didn't practice because of his contract situation, uh, you know, uh, which is what a bunch of the reporters and Brandon Staley said after the fact. So um, I know Arjun pointed out in the quick recap, he didn't see Telesco or Scott or Ed McGuire. Telesco was there for what it's worth. Uh, he was mostly in the back. I felt like uh, I saw a couple of videos of him back there and he was on the field doing some media appearances. But um, Alex, what do you make of Derwin not practicing today. Do you think this contract uh, negotiation gets solved quickly? And uh, anything else you have related to uh, Derwin James? Yeah, it'll it'll be done before the Rams game. Uh, I still have full confidence in that. Um, as far as like Derwin, it, they both seem to be on amicable terms, right? There's no holdout. You know, Melvin Gordon right. is not at the facility circa 2019, right? So the fact that he's holding in and the fact that he's on the field and the fact that he's with the players, I think is really important, even if he's not participating in drills. But honestly, he shouldn't be participating in drills either, right? Like both from Derwin's standpoint, from the team's standpoint, you don't want Derwin getting hurt, you know, prior to him getting paid. And Derwin doesn't want to get hurt prior to getting paid either. Um, So, you know, I think it really is the best thing for both sides at this point. And there's no fears of Derwin, you know, adjusting to, you know, missing a couple practices, missing a couple training camps, uh, you know, as, like we just talked about with, say, Kenneth Murray, for example. Uh, so for me, 
you know, Derwin comes when he comes in, and I think they do get a deal done. And, uh, you know, at this point, I think he's right for holding in. I know and it's a weird thing for, you know, NFL fans to be like, oh, that guy's holding out. He's being selfish. But no, uh, I think Derwin deserves to be the highest paid safety in the league. And he should exercise every bit of player power he has to get that. Yeah. So as James C. points out, Melvin, Melvin Ingram did hold in, if you will. His was more obviously about getting his contract fully guaranteed for that season, as opposed to like getting a contract extension. So slightly different cases, but um, I absolutely agree. Didn't, didn't make any sense for Derwin to be out there practicing if he did not have his contract done. So um, I would think like Rams game would be like the last, like worst case scenario here for getting this extension done. Like the Chargers have, there's too many incentives for the Chargers to get this done as soon as possible and get Derwin out there. I mean, like not that they necessarily care anything, but, I mean, Saturday is kind of like the big hype up training camp day. And I think obviously the product would just be a lot better if Derwin James were out there and practicing. So um, to me, it's they're probably, you know, just kind of negotiating the final guaranteed portion of things. But we've known for a long time, like he's going to be the highest paid safety in the league. We know what that number is going to look like. It's just about the little minute details and, um, there's probably not a Kyler Murray uh, film study, independent study clause in there. So I assume this is mostly just guaranteed structures and things like that. They have the same yeah. agent, though, right? I think this is Maggetta also. No, uh, Kyler uh, Murray has a different agent. Kyler Murray's oh. because I remember because uh, Steve Kime, their GM, has the same agent as Kyler Murray. Oh, it's okay. not uh, it's not Maggetta or however you say it. Interesting. For what it's worth, for everyone who, who didn't hear the mini recap, he was out there a bit, and he was out there with helmetless, like seven on sevens. Then they put on the helmets, and then he stepped out. So really, my next timeline is just when they put on pads. Like, I think that just getting the contract done before they put on pads on Monday. So next week. Yeah. Maybe next week. So I would love for that to get done. Now, why would a week make a difference in negotiations? I don't know. I don't know when they started. I don't know if they just waited for Minka's contract and then started from there but it really just seems like it's coming down to guarantees i'm fine with him sitting out i understand why he would sit out i would probably do the same thing i would hold in hang out if you told me it was you yeah. know 76 million dollars was sitting there i would pull up my you know lawn chair and i would just hang out i would be there but i would i would rest he's missed a year because of a practice injury he's missed half a year because of a practice injury not even like middle of the season practice like training camp practice so i understand why he is holding in i'm glad to see him there i'm not concerned at all that this doesn't get done we'd just right. like to see it happen so we can just move on with our lives yeah absolutely I, I there's there's no doubt in my mind that this happens in the next couple of weeks and you know if it gets done before pad practice i think that's better if it gets done before saturday i think even better so uh in terms of what was the rotation at safety outside of derwin obviously i assume nasir adelaide was starting at free safety what was kind of the rotations there and kind of an extension here i guess mark webb the former seventh round pick from georgia was practicing today as tyler pointed out on twitter uh so whatever knee issue he had in mini camp that he was not practicing with he was practicing today uh but tyler how did the rest of that rotation shake out sans derwin yeah so for two and a half seconds it was derwin and Nasir adderley obviously that'll be the case when derwin james came out alohi gilman came in when adderley came out it was jt woods that went in Mark Webb is was practicing fully and healthy. I don't recall. I'll try to pick up on this board tomorrow and through the rest of the week, whether he was who he was switching out with. 
Um, but it seemed like Mark Webb was kind of the outside fifth guy right now, which we mm-hmm. don't like. We all projected Gilman to be the guy who's cut. Still very possible. Webb has barely been on the field. Um, right. But right now, Webb is that safety five. So JT Woods is your backup free safety. Alohi Gilman, your backup strong safety. Or, you know, again, it's a freaking too high. But still, that's kind of how the rotation shook out. Yeah, so I, I would expect that Webb is kind of getting that ease back into treat ease back into things treatment right now. Um, of course, having the knee surgery w- would certainly kind of cause that. But you know, it's going to be a battle, right? You know, Brandon said they talked about the secondary group and and everybody that they've added, and um, you know what the group needs back there. So um, <laughs> nice toss, Tyler. Good job. <laughs> so Webb and Gilman are, are going to you know go at it, I guess this this summer. So. Um, I, I saw a couple of people talking about Cleo Mack and asking about Cleo Mack because he wasn't necessarily out there to start one of the drills. He was asked if yeah. he's fully healthy and right? said so he was asked, asked if he is fully healthy. He is 100% cleared is my understanding. He was out there with his helmet. Um, were you able to see anything from Cleo Mack and, and kind of same question here? What was the edge rotation like? Wasn't able to see much from him. I don't know why the very first drill that they did, he wasn't out there. And both Arjun, who was there with me and I, we thought, where's Khalil Mack? Where is he? Is he not? Like, why wouldn't he be out here with the first team? Um, it was Rumpf instead. But he was out there. And by the time they got to the end of practice, they were doing their 11-on-11s, and Khalil Mack was the starter. That said, they are so far on the other side of the field that there's no way I could tell you, oh, he looked really good, or he looked really healthy, or he looks really big. Couldn't tell you much about that. He was just... <laughs> way over there so i mean obviously you have you know the edge rotation is about what we expect right it's, it's bosa it's mac then it's going to be rumpf and kyle van noy and then from there it's some combination of, of shelby and the other davis oh my goodness uh, oh then egg boule is there but you know whatever yeah so. i was gonna say you're forgetting the guy. So I, was, I was like I'm, I'm gonna wait till he mentions it but <laughs> Yeah, so Arjun has it right. Like, Rumpf is definitely, in terms of just pure edge rushers, like the edge three, I suppose, behind Bosa. Um, but then Kyle Vino is kind of, I guess, you're you really your edge three, but he's kind of a hybrid at this point. So, yeah, it, it's about what we expect. Like we, It's going to be the same group of guys that make the roster, the same group of guys that are the same part of the rotation. No surprises here. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how Chris Rumpf is able to progress this year. So he, he does look... A little bit bigger. I know Joey Bosa mentioned uh, at minicamp he's not string bean anymore. So uh, obviously the Chargers need him to take a leap forward. Obviously curious to see how how big of a leap he's able to make. So We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We'll talk now uh, about some studs and duds, if you will, players that stood out today, players that did not stand out today. Tyler, um, I've seen a couple people hinting this in the chat. Do we want to start with the running backs today? Yes. (laughs) um so big surprise last year okay so last year's training camp we opened we have austin eckler justin justin jackson joshua kelly and then larry roundry and darius bradwell were fighting for a spot with maybe there's another running back i don't know but it was kind of like a nice even you know rotation you just saw you know eckler and and jackson kind of go with the first team and then so on and so forth from there this year it's completely different like it wasn't until maybe the last part of the drive that Roundtree even got involved. And I'm not like, if you told me that Marks and, and Letty Brown were not there, I'd believe you. And you could almost tell me that Larry Roundtree wasn't there. And I believe, and frankly, if Larry Roundtree wasn't there, he'd probably have a better practice. Um, it is right now, truly a three RB and fullback, obviously kind of rotation. Eckler's with the ones Kelly's with the twos, which I think is temporary and expect, expect expected. Spillers with the threes, but then that was it. Like they would go 11 on 11 with Eckler. Then they go with Kelly. Then they go with Spiller. And then the drills would just end. There wasn't even much time for Roundtree to even be on the field. And I, again, I don't recall even seeing the two undrafted free agents. Then Larry Roundtree goes out and fumbles. Um, <laughs> and someone asked, I, I tweeted like Larry Roundtree just fumbled. And someone said, well, like they're not in pads. Like, why are they hitting each other? I'm like, no, they're not in pads. He literally just fumbled. Um, which <laughs> Alex is, is dying which, over here, <laughs> <laughs> which does not endear yourself to the coaching staff. So it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely Bumbling on the first day without pads, man. That's, uh, that's a rough yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what happened. You know, I just know that he did fumble and someone picked it up. It's it, but it really looks like the chargers <laughs> are going to go with one fullback and three running backs. If practice is any indication. And especially now that special teams isn't dominating practice. I don't know where someone like Larry Roundtree or especially the two undrafted free agents fit in. Maybe they carry four, but so far, it looks like three running backs and a fullback. And right now, just talking about fullbacks, Neighbors is the starter so far, which is expected again. Yeah, I mean, this... Go ahead, Alex, sorry. You know, I was just going to say, I, lo- I would love to see a B3 running backs. I hope that that holds throughout the duration of, of training camp and the preseason as well. Um, as far as Larry Roundtree... <laughs> Um, I, I saw that I saw Tyler's tweet and I had the same reaction. I'm like, how did he fumble? Just lost it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, the, the big thing going into this was going to be Eckler's one Spiller was going to be three, I think regardless. And then they were going to have Kelly or Roundtree be the second back that eventually gets surpassed. But I think the fact that it's Kelly um, by a significant distance is, is pretty important to mention. I mean, Stephen kind of talked about this when we did our training camp battle episode on Sunday. Um, if you were to just purely pick the three best running backs, it would probably be Eckler, Spiller, and Kelly, right? But I was sort of viewing it through like, oh, well, this, you know, Roundtree is more likely to be like a complimentary back. Right. Um, 
not sure you can call him a complimentary back after today. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that you have those three guys. Um, and if you were to just pick specifically the three best running backs on the team, it would be them. Um, so I'm not terribly surprised that they win that direction. The upside of Kelly still, you know, outweighs the upside of Roundtree by quite a lot in terms of what he could do as an athlete and what we've seen from him in terms of his highs in the NFL to this point, aside from his fumbling problem, uh, that he's had to get over in his career. So, um, I guess I'm not super surprised, but it definitely is a step back for Larry Roundtree. Um, and now he's probably fighting with Marks and Brown to be either the fourth running back or make the practice squad in the event that they keep three. So <laughs> I will wait to do my victory lap. It's, it's coming at some <laughs> point, but I'll wait. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not great. Like I said, to start training camp with a fumble and start out of the rotation like that. I, I am a little surprised, frankly, that that was the case. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, like why is Kelly Joshua Kelly getting reps over Isaiah Spiller? Like why that's a little confusing. This is just like how this team does business. Like they want their rookies to earn their stripes, right? Like there's no reason that, you know, JT Woods is not playing over Lohi Gilman. There's no reason that Xander Horvath is not playing over Gabe Neighbors or like Asante Samuel Jr. being a backup to Brandon Faison last year. (laughs) So this is just like they want to see the rookies earn their stripes a little bit. I obviously expect Isaiah to start earning those RB2 snaps at some point, Um, but he's going to have to earn it, like I said. I am surprised, definitely, that Kelly was that much more ahead of Larry Roundtree. I figured coming in that you'd see a lot of Austin Eckler, and then essentially you'd see like a three-man split with Spiller, Mm -hmm. uh, Roundtree, and Kelly. So to see Kelly that much ahead of Roundtree's, in terms of on-the-field talent, is not surprising. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like what we expected heading into today is definitely surprising. Yeah, I love that. Almost the entire offseason going, yeah, well, Kelly didn't, you know, he was the guy who was on the team still. Uh, I mean, Roundtree was, but Roundtree was inactive, didn't play since week 11. Totally pushing for Kelly, saying that he'd be the RB3. Then we finally do an episode where I do training camp battles, and I decided to put Roundtree <laughs> as the RB3. And then, of course, you know, that changes instantly. Right. So I just, yeah. like, I don't know what Roundtree can do at this point. Like, if he's back there, he's just he's just Letty Brown, but drafted in the sixth round. And Kelly, like he offers more. It's just it's obviously very worrisome yeah. about the fumbling. But if you're Larry Roundtree and you're fumbling in practice, that's a problem. Now, for what it's worth, I am 99% positive that Larry Roundtree fumbled in practice. I'm pretty sure that was him. With that said, he's on the far side of the field. I didn't see anybody else <laughs> comment on the fact that Larry Roundtree fumbled. I also didn't see anyone else comment on the fact that a punter shanked a ball 30 yards in the opposite direction. Uh, but whatever. So I'm 99% positive is Larry Roundtree. Um, but I haven't seen anybody else confirm that yet either. So perhaps if it wasn't, I'm wrong. If, it, if it wasn't Larry Roundtree, I appreciate uh, your efforts for the agenda. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In terms of the punter, uh, there have been a couple people that have said that there were two punters out there. We have not really been able to confirm who the second punter was. Uh, again, after minicamp, I heard that Ben Griffiths, the former USC Trojan, was pretty impressive. And, and uh, Daniel Popper also reported that he was potentially going to get a training camp invite as well. Again, have not heard Alex pointed out in our group chat before that it could be uh, what's his name? The undrafted free agent. Oh, James McCourt. James McCourt. Thank you. Um, he could be getting reps there. So again, have not confirmed that. Um, all right. In terms of the opposite side of the spectrum, of course, 
I uh, have to give a shout out today to Joe Gaziano getting a, a pick six in the first day mm-hmm. of training camp as a defensive lineman is pretty damn cool. I know there were no pads. It's, it's hard to have a lot of takeaways about linemen when there are no pads on the field. But uh, Joe Gaziano deserves some love, man. I, I have been watching the Chargers defensive line. I keep saying this. Every time Joe Gaziano is in the game, he makes a play. And I I don't think he's going to make this roster, but I, I just wish I could find a spot for him, right? Like if I were yeah. watching him on practice every single day and watching him in these games, he is always flashing. And uh, maybe this is the year that he earns a spot. I don't know. But uh, getting a pick six as a... <laughs> as a defensive lineman on the first day of training camp had to be pretty cool for him. Yeah. Gaziano. I mean, we saw this in the preseason last year with him and Broughton just kind of were coming like every play and they were the yeah. two most consistent defensive linemen. Um, and I know that that held up sort of like in practices last year. So I'm not surprised to hear Joe Gaziano's doing good again. Um, it's just going to be a numbers game in terms of him making the roster and, you know, how many, you know, pass rushing guys they want to keep versus how many kind of run stuffing guys. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that goes down the stretch. But I think in terms of guys who have earned it in the time here, in terms of getting one of those back end roster spots, Joe Gaziano has been a guy for a while that I think has uh, done pretty well at that. So I would love to see him make the roster or at the very least uh, stay on the practice squad. Yeah, it was, I love a good big man touchdown. First, he, first off, Easton Stick must set the record for most passes batted last year. I swear it was two times of practice. I think it was four times at the scrimmage that I went to. It happens again here. Gaziano bats it. And boy, just watching like this, he just, uh, and then just like this big, like, <laughs> the shoe. Uh, <laughs> you have a football behind you, man. <laughs> That's a nice football. I'm not going to use that. Um, <laughs> the, the guy's just, but you know, it, it got everybody so fired up. And it was awesome to see. Oh, I, I want, I hope, I hope it makes difficult decisions happen but maybe the right ones for this roster um it did seem like again far far field very hard to see defensive tackles but it did seem like both gaziano and fajoko were out there over otito which i guess isn't a surprise when you're a fifth round pick i just kind of figured like they were really high on him they drafted him they frankly have not shown that they care all that much about like fajoko merrill gaziano obviously broughton like I thought he would be out there, but he wasn't, or he was, but just after those guys. So Gaziano with uh, a pick six of Easton Stick, Raiden Fajoko splits both Brendan Hymas and Will Clapp on a double team for a tackle for loss. Like those guys are out there, they're fighting. We heard there's going to be more competition on the defensive tackle room this year. I think that'll happen, but for right now, like these guys look like they want it so bad. Again, one day of practice, and I hope they get the chance to shine some more. Yeah, I mean, this is just another reason why you don't keep four running backs again, right? You feel you free up that roster spot for somebody like Joe Gaziano or Brain Fajoko uh, to kind of come in and make an impact. So, uh, Karen asking about the field situation. They have to keep the front field fresh. Like, you can't just use the one front field the whole time or else the grass just, like, really tears up and, and becomes unusable at some point. So they go back and forth probably tomorrow. I'm guessing they'll be on the front field. And then maybe on Friday, they'll be back on the, the second field. And then Saturday, they'll be on the, on the front field. So um, they've got to keep both sides of the field fresh because they do use both. Otherwise, you just kind of tear up the grass. So um, the other shout out that, again, I wasn't there, right? But just based off of people's reactions, 
Uh, Dean Leonard, two pass breakups today, according mm-hmm. to Arjun and some others. That was confirmed. Uh, Chargers Social posted a couple of videos from him as well. Again, need to see a lot more of this. John Brandon last year had a lot of pass breakups, a few interceptions in training camp, and wasn't even kept on the practice squad. So uh, need to see this continue. But if Dean Leonard is out there getting two pass breakups, essentially every time he's on the practice field, which is kind of seems like it's been the case, then he's going to be mighty hard to cut. And I think, you know, we said we talked about this on Sunday, that just raw potential is real. Like I did not see this kind of ball production player on tape. And then you come into mini camp and training camp and he's getting pass breakups every single day. So uh, Dean Leonard has been the best surprise so far throughout training camp and mini camp. Again, it's only been like six practices for him because of rookie camp and mini camp. But so far, so good for Dean Leonard. Yeah, just a very good, so far, boundary corner who doesn't particularly panic when the ball is in the air and needs to make some sort of play. Does it always work? Not necessarily. I think Josh Palmer was able to moss him somehow, but like, still in very good position. The one against Guyton today, like watching the replay, if you pause it enough times, it's like, well, okay. Did he turn his head <laughs> around? Like, well, okay. Would Jalen Guyton normally be having to stop to try to go up, you know, for one? Like, would it have been pass interference sure. potentially? Eh. But still, like he's out there making plays like this. If there was any way he would be good uh, on this team and show out, it really to me was the ball skills. Like this is the boundary ball skills, like downfield. Like this is the one thing a that they kind of missed last year, and b this is the thing that I thought he was best at. Um, that said, I do want to see him cover a slant. I want to see him make a stop in the run game. You know, I want to see him do more than just work downfield versus vertical, you know, receivers or whatever. But it's a really, really good start for him. Like if you're talking about, you know, standouts so far, combining, you know, the mini camp and this, he's kind of off to like a Mark Webb start, which is like you put him on the field, also a seventh round pick, and he just has good ball skills. He just, for whatever reason, continues to break up passes and kudos to him. Like he is definitely making it impossible to get rid of him. They still might because they have to work out things a certain way. Maybe they need a fifth linebacker because, you know, Murray's not quite ready or something, but he's looking great so far. And, and kudos to him, honestly. Arjun always peddling the, the anti-Joe Burrow stuff. <laughs> I love it. I love the commitment, man. Was that a... So he had... Uh, Easton Stick did not have a good day, it sounds like. Uh, it's, it's just more like, okay, so you kind of watch Justin Herbert, and with his eyes closed <laughs> in one pinky, he throws it 85 yards downfield. Then... It's just different. Like Easton Stick is just not, and Chase Daniel as well. They're not the same guys as Justin Herbert. Sure. Um, did I think it was as bad as Arjun is saying? Uh, no, but you know, he was fine. Like it's just, it's just different. One of these players is Justin Herbert. The other one is Easton Stick. And there's a very yeah. clear difference between the two. Yeah, I love how Robert Mays after the after the practice posted a picture of uh, Justin at the podium, and he was like, "This is a tall quarterback." <laughs> <laughs> good analysis yeah on one hand like yeah it is justin herbert and the other one's easy stick but it's also like we've seen a pretty large enough sample size from Easton stick in the preseason to kind of know that's who he is i mean especially just like not being on time with certain throws and, um just being pretty late uh so i'm not terribly surprised that this is where Easton stick is um i I would love Joe Gaziano to take Easton Stick's roster spot. Uh, I think that that should happen. I think that they should just keep two QBs. Keep seven defensive keep his, tackles. I'm good with keep, it. 
keep seven defensive tackles, keep yep. another corner if you want to. If you want to keep Tavon sure. Campbell and Dean Leonard, just get rid of Easton Stick already. This experiment has failed. We've been through it enough years. I, there's no Taysom Hill ability. He, he throws like Taysom Hill. That's about the only thing that he has. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm just done with this experiment at this point. Yeah. What's the point? Like, yeah, okay, they, what, they what want him the to be the they want him to be the backup of the future, I guess. But like, backup of the future. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, sure. Like, they they do need someone post Chase Daniel. Don't get me wrong, but like, you can draft that somebody yeah. next year. In the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I I would love for them to just start it. Like, there's there's so many more valuable players. We literally saw this last year. The reason they should have again yeah. running back, linebacker, quarterback, whatever. It's 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 such an easy cut situation in my opinion. There's no longer this you know this COVID restriction you know NFL season. So I, like I understand last year, sure. Like I could make that argument. You need an extra quarterback just in case something happens. But honestly, like if it comes down to you know if if Herbert gets hurt and Daniel gets hurt, you could probably just sign another quarterback that's out. Like I'd rather get Philip Rivers off the street right now. <laughs> And I bet you he could probably, he at least probably wouldn't have his passes batted down as much. It's Bro, just, I'd get Billy Bullock off the street right now over <laughs> Chase, fuck, or not Chase Daniel, uh, Easton Stick. There you go. Like, yeah. Just like, I don't know. Yeah. Ty Long got Tavon Campbell absolutely destroyed, and I would still have Ty Long as the quarterback over Easton Stick. That's me. <laughs> I, would. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, I would. Hey, man. Uh, I actually found out the other day that Billy Bullock grew up like 10 minutes away from where I live right now. And I had no idea that he was uh, a Central Valley kid until uh, a couple weeks ago. If you're gonna if you're gonna keep three QBs, let Pat White be the third QB. There we go. He, we have we didn't even talk about this, man. <laughs> the Chargers hired Pat White, like one of the coolest yeah. players of my childhood. And to be if a you actually like want to have a dual threat Taysom Hill like option, then <laughs> let Pat White could do that better than Easton Stick too. <laughs> Shout out Pat White, man. I'm, I hope he. I mean, I don't think he'll have a ton of influence, right? But uh justin herbert running some of that rich rod option offense man sign me up it'll be a lot of fun um all right tyler speaking of quarterbacks we'll transition here uh thoughts on uh justin herbert's first day of uh training camp he's justin herbert you know it looked good <laughs> uh on the flip side of that by the way i don't i didn't see many drop passes i think there was maybe one in drills otherwise go. i thought it looked pretty good like i think it was pretty clean overall um so that's really good Listen, he's mostly throwing versus air. He looks like Justin Herbert. He looked fine to me. I will say, like, the connection to Everett so far, again, one freaking day, was not as strong as someone like Jared Cook, who it felt like he was catching a pass every four reps. Yeah. Um, but still. Like, Jared Cook connection Allen, was, like, pretty instant, too. It was, like, instant, day one. Instant we were, like, and Jared Cook's catching all these balls. Yeah, absolutely. Everett, just, he's there. And he, he caught a couple, sure. It just wasn't, like, quite the same. But, again, Justin Herbert. Looks great. Looked apart. You know, sign autographs for everybody. He's the QB one. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> Alex, any thoughts there? Uh, I didn't hear anything bad about him. I heard <laughs> bad things about the other quarterbacks, but Justin Herbert seemed like he had a good day. Uh, I pretty expected at this point. I do miss the days of like going through and being like, "Oh, who won today, Justin or Tyrod?" Like <laughs> that, that was kind of the, the great time. But now it's just like, all right, well, he's our QB one, so there's, <laughs> there's. It's not like even if he had a bad day, we would be like, "Oh man, that that's a real problem." Yeah. And so I, I did listen to his press conference today, um, which I don't usually do because, I mean, I love Justin, but he's, he's same answers are, are like 
it's very repetitive stuff from Justin Herbert in the press conference, which is fine. But, uh, you know, he was asked about like what he has kind of grown the most in between now and his rookie season. And I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but basically he was, he was trying to say like, as a rookie, I was just out here trying to survive. Like I was just trying to not like have a terrible day. And now I'm like able to learn the why of what is happening on offense, the why of what is happening on defense and really able to kind of elevate the, my mental game, if you will. So um, I think we're going to see a big improvement from Justin Herbert in terms of like identifying pre-snap looks, identifying post-snap looks. And the post-snap thing in particular was something that I, I was hoping that we would see improvement upon because that was kind of something that he, he struggled with last year. So, you know, him being able to audible at the line more often, him being able to handle cadences and identify those simulated pressures and things like that is uh, is going to be a fantastic thing. And yes, Kevin, Justin always says it's a great opportunity. He said that like four times today, but there was some good things in his press conference today as well. Can't wait to see it. I'm really curious. I didn't really get a sense that today was any different than what they ran on offense last year. So I'm really curious once they put pads on, like what do they have in store? Who are they targeting? You know, if Josh Palmer is going to be out there, maybe over Jalen Guyton, seemed even today, like does their offense change because Palmer's not a speed threat? You can work vertically, but he's not much of a speed threat. So how does that change? We'll find out. Yeah, I guess it just feels like right now, as long as Justin Herbert's like kind of studying the film and he's, you know, going through camp and everything, it just feels like everything that he needs to actually improve on to get better to the next level will be done in the regular season, right? In sure. terms of whether he can audible up line and do all that stuff or not. So, Oh yeah, we're not seeing Justin Herbert play any preseason games. That's That's not happening. Um, all right. So if you have any questions in the chat, uh, now is the time to, to ask them. We'll get some going. Uh, and then I want to ask Tyler, any, anybody else that you wanted to, uh, give some shine to do shine to today that, that stood out, caught your attention. Um, I feel like we've covered most everyone at this point. And again, one day, no pads. I will say it looked like Josh Palmer was very active out there catching a couple of passes. It looked like there's a nice interchangeability. I will say that like, Palmer has currently a bigger grasp on like the wide receiver three job than someone like Tyron Johnson did last year fighting with Jalen Guyton. Whereas like Jalen Guyton was the wide receiver three last year. And then sometimes right. Johnson would rotate in Palmer at worst between the two, it's, it's 60, 40, 50, 50. So I really think Palmer is, is pushing Guyton more than Johnson did at this point last year. So I think good for Palmer so far. Yeah, I, I'm super excited about Palmer, man. I think he's going to be the talk of the show throughout the the rest of the training camp. I, I, like Brett just said, I was about to say the same thing. He's just so crisp in everything that he yeah, does. He There's is. no wasted movement. There's no wasted energy. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see what yeah. uh, Josh Palmer can put out through the rest of uh, training camp. One more guy, obviously, JC Jackson. You kind of just want to see these things in person, you know, have that box checked for yourself. And he was covering Mike Williams on like a curl or comeback or whatever just perfect pass breakup with Justin Herbert throwing. It just, it looks different. Like this looks like corner play, man. Like this looked really <laughs> good. And that's not an easy coverage. You know, Mike Williams, granted, not the best route runner. Curl comeback is not like his best thing, but he's a big dude. And he's very good at shielding himself. JC Jackson, not the biggest guy. Great pass breakup. I'm just, I'm thrilled. Like watching him, it's like, oh, okay. We got something different here. Yeah, I imagine there's a very similar feeling to like watching, you know, Kilo Mac versus what was happening last year as 
opposite of Joey Bosa and things like that. So uh, a couple of people ask, asking about the tight ends. Uh, Decimo asking about Donald Parham specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, Chorizo Compapas, any thoughts on the tight end group? So did you, did you see, obviously you mentioned about Gerald Everett already. Anything from the other guys kind of stood out to you today, if at all? Uh, nah, not really. Same order that we expect, the one, two, three. Um, Camp Moyer was involved, I think, as like the tight end four, I guess, if you want to start talking about that. Um, again, Stone Smart is hurt, and I, I would expect Camp Moyer to be the tight end four, um, if you will. He did catch a pass, if I'm not mistaken. He was lined up at H back a little bit. So there's some play there for sure. Um, if you want to lump him into this, Xander Horvath was lined up out wide a couple of times. So there is kind of something there. But the neighbors was doing that last year, too. It's just something yeah, that they like to <laughs> so it's, it's something that they like to do with their fullbacks and no separation between the two guys at this point. So it's kind of about what we'd expect. And, and frankly, it's going to be Everett as the main pass catcher. Parham will look good and I'm sure he'll catch, you know, a handful of red zone touchdown passes throughout training camp. But no surprises here other than maybe Camp Moyer being tight end four, which is not really a surprise anyway. Yeah. I um I, I saw a couple people talk people talking about stone smart playing defense there are two number 48s on the chargers uh skylar thomas right is the safety the undrafted free agent one so um uh stone smart was on a scooter still yesterday so i I don't think he's practicing uh anytime soon Mm -hmm. i actually want to address this from hugo here not the tillery being cut part but just talking about the group so can you realistically see tillery getting cut i think it's better to keep Hoko so and so on with this question so Arjun picked this up, not me. So I have to shout him out in base three, four, which I don't understand why I'm just relaying the information. It was Tillery, Sebastian Joseph day at nose. And then Morgan Fox. Those are your starters in your base three, four. Now, why would you do that? I don't know. I mean, I, okay. Morgan Fox being there, I guess I'm not really surprised. Sure. It's just the absence of a certain Austin Johnson. Then when they went to their nickel package, then Austin Johnson came in, Morgan Fox and Jerry Tillery went out. Um, what's my long-winded way of saying that Tillery is in base defense as a starter right now, and it seems like that's kind of their plan to go more pass rush heavy in base 3-4. Again, one day, no pads. Um, but he's involved currently, so I don't see him as a cut candidate. And frankly, after how we lined up today, I I don't see that even happening. Yeah, I I, I don't see Jerry Tillery getting cut. Like, there's there's just no point in, in doing that. And I know everybody is really frustrated uh with what we've seen from jerry tillery so far but uh i I just can't see tom telesco signing off on letting tillery get cut so in terms of like the rotation so far again it's just the one day typically when you're in like your base defense you're you're talking about like a a typical run situation or at least like there's a, a strong threat of the other team running so if that were the front week one starting base defense, I would be completely shocked because Jerry Tillery and Morgan Fox ain't stopping nobody against the run. I can tell you that. I think Morgan Fox is better against the run than Jerry Tillery is, but you paid Austin Johnson $7 million a year. He is going to be a starter in terms of base packages. I think this was just them kind of mixing and matching things. Yeah. um, If you have Fox and Tillery on the same field against the run week one, that is going to be a problem. Um, I don't think that's going to end up happening. I do think they eventually, you know, bring Austin Johnson more to the centerfold, uh, you know, like we've been talking about. But I guess if you like want to just put some extra pass rushers out there, then like it's not a 
horrible idea on like third down if you know it's like an obvious pass sure. uh but no i <laughs> that that's a definite concern for me if, if that's you know what the base three four is week one don't think that's what it's going to end up being but yeah i think also just based on how you paid austin johnson too right i mean you're, right. you're paying him seven million a year to me he has to be you know a starter Yeah, as Kevin points out, don't see how it makes sense to have Austin Johnson in there. And Nickel, you're running a lighter box, so you want to be stouter up front. So, again, I think Austin Johnson is going to be a starter for this team. I, I, if you're telling me that, like, the, the main three defensive tackles are going to be Morgan Fox, Jerry Tillery, and Sebastian Joseph Day, I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you that the run defense is going to be worse than last year. <laughs> so, yep. I don't see how that thing happens at all. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like this was just them trying to figure out who, who fills in where. Maybe they're trying to figure out how they can fix Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day in at the nose tackle or not and things like that. So, again, Austin Johnson financially on a, on the cap sheet, he's a starter. So uh, yeah. and he is the second best run defender on the team. He needs to be there. I will say that that 4-2-5 look with Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, and that Kyle Van Noy, Drew Tranquil, you know, Jackson, well, Derwin James would be there like, I'm like that's your there that's you your starting unit right there. Like right you now. were running, like you were at nickel this whole freaking time, and that's exactly what you're gonna run. So I really think that's what it ends up being. Uh, I don't think Staley wants to be in this three four, but it's still it's weird to see that those two guys were out there instead of Johnson. Yeah, I I would expect them to play a lot of nickel, right? Like that's that's basically like the base. That's like the real base defense in the NFL nowadays is, is nickel. So um, we'll see how that one goes. Um, Serge asking about Zion today. There was no pads. There was like one team session. He looked really good, man. He's really cut up uh, from the pictures. You can tell that he's just like really taking his body seriously over the last couple of years. And, uh, again, it's so hard to have any offensive lineman takeaways when there's no pads. Yeah. I wish I could comment more. I really just, there's just so impossible to see anything. Yeah. Especially the Um, guards. Like when you're, yeah on the opposite field yeah exactly so the good news is i don't know if somebody beat him i don't know i didn't notice <laughs> like there was no like like i know who Braden Fajoko beat i know like gaziano got the tip pass or whatever if zion got beat i never saw it like it's so i think he did well i just we're waiting for pads zero yeah. fumbles <laughs> i will say i i am super excited when they get pads on man and you're talking about zion versus sebastian joseph day and austin johnson that's a that's a really good group for him to get some practice reps against. Um, we didn't really talk about the right tackle situation yet so far, which uh, I'm pretty surprised about because it's kind of like uh, <laughs> one of the bigger storylines. But um, you pointed out that Storm Norton was out there with the first rotation of drills. Trey Pipkins was out there in the second rotation of drills. This seems exactly like what we saw last year where they're both rotating heavily at right tackle. Uh, of course, when Brian Blago was missing practice, which happened like all the freaking time. Uh, so I would not necessarily expect anyone to pull away until we get like a preseason game. But mm-hmm. uh, any thoughts there, either of you on uh, Pipkins and Storm Norton essentially splitting 50-50 today? I mean, it's basically the same thing we saw last month, right? When at OTAs, uh, when Norton was starting and Pipkins rotated in. Yeah. So it's going to be the same song and dance until one of them wins the job, uh, whether that's, you know, later in the preseason. Um, you know, is it going to be in training camp? I don't know. But I, I think for now, um, it's basically business as usual. 
Yeah, no surprise. It's it's kind of like the wide receiver three battle. Like, there's not really a, a wide receiver three starter yet between Palmer and Guyton. But if you had to say who was the first guy to trot out with the starting unit, more often than not, was Storm Norton. Same thing like Josh Palmer. So it's kind of a flip-flop right now. And sometimes when Storm Norton would play right tackle, Slater would go out. Pipkins would play left tackle. There's no real separation at this point. It's going to take a preseason game, many weeks of practice, maybe the joint practice, stuff like that. It's it's going to be this flip-flop the entire next two weeks, if not the entire preseason. Micah, Micah Parsons is the kingmaker in the, coming up in the right tackle battle. Yeah, whoever does better against Micah. <laughs> I mean, they're going to go up against Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa every day in practice, so they're going to get baptized uh, every single day. So. Yep. Um, I've seen a couple people ask about um, the situation at cornerback um, outside of JC and Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, you pointed out that Bryce Callen is it was actually returning some punts every so often. Uh, any updates there on uh, Bryce Callahan versus Michael Davis? Yeah, so it's Bryce Callahan in the slot. I never saw Bryce Callahan with Mike Davis on the field. You have your three starters. It's who we expected. You know, JC Jackson, Asante Samuel Jr., Bryce Callahan in the slot. Callahan leaves um, and JC Jackson leave. Michael Davis comes in. Tavon Campbell comes in. Asante Samuel Jr. moves to the slot. So I suppose if there's some sort of injury to Bryce Callahan, Asante Samuel Jr. will move to the slot. I, I don't really know who else he would move to the slot. Um, hopefully he's not doing so well at outside corner. Then you have to stick him in the slot because you have an injury. Um, but for right now, you know, uh, Asante Samuel Jr. and Jackson are your outside starters. Callahan in the middle or in the slot. And then Tavon Campbell, Michael Davis backup. It's crazy that Tavon Campbell and Michael Davis are like the backups. It's like they're two completely opposite commitments to those players. Yeah. So uh, so you said Asante was essentially like the backup slot then? Yeah. Once they rotated to the backups, Asante Samuel Jr. moved to the slot. Okay. Hmm. I like that, though. I think that's good for Asante being able to cross cross train and – play those matchups a little bit more. So I, I think that gives them more flexibility. Again, if you're talking about, you know, specific matchups where like you need Michael Davis's speed and height, as opposed to Bryce Callahan's ability in the slot, you know, you can put Asante in the slot and be able to survive there. So yeah, I think that's, what's best for Asante is be able to play both spots for sure. Um, Thomas Martinez asking about JT Woods. Uh, did he look fast? Was he looking good? What'd you see from him today? Wasn't able to see much of him today, to be completely honest. I wasn't as focused and keyed in on him, so I'll try to do that more. Uh, to be completely honest at this point, yes, he's fast, but he's now on a field with a bunch of very talented NFL defenders. So, sure, is he probably faster than those guys? Yeah, but everyone looks fast. Yeah. When you're at an NFL practice, speed the speed really stands out to you. It really does, Like as opposed to being up in like the – 300 sections and i mean <laughs> it, it, they still look fast right but sure when you're right there on top of them the speed really shows up mm-hmm. uh, a couple of people asking about joe reed um he looks great did you see anything on the field from him today i don't recall a specific play uh, he didn't drop anything they didn't do kick return today so i don't know what his involvement would be there but he right. was not out there with the punt returners it was bandy it was carter obviously starting and then Bryce Callahan. So he's not involved with punt return. He kind of seemed like a guy that's in the mix for wide receiver six. Again, every, everybody else that's not the starting five is in the mix for wide receiver six. But like nothing that really stood out so far. 
Yeah, so, I mean, obviously in that group you have Reed, Bandy, uh, the undrafted free agents, Jason Moore for like the eighth year feels like. I feel like Jason Moore has been on the team forever, man. I really do. Um, but I would love to see them keep another six receiver, especially if Joe mm-hmm. Reed is able to like flash some things. I think it just gives them more options, right? If if somebody, obviously somebody has to take advantage of that opportunity, but uh, I'd love to see it be Joe Reed, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I guess Bryce Callahan being out there is kind of weird. Maybe this is just one of their preseason experiment sort of things. Obviously, he has no chance of being a kick returner, punt returner, but it's weird for me to see that be the rotation, I guess. Bandy, I guess, kind of expected as a holdover from last year. Um, a little bit surprised, no roundtree involvement at all when it comes to the punt returner's uh, spot. But, you know, uh, I guess we'll see the kick returners at some point. Yeah, I don't think Roundtree was involved last year either. No, Roundtree was just kick. Roundtree was just kickoffs. Oh. Okay, so um, I think that's it for the questions. That at least the ones that I wanted to get to. Uh, of course, shout out to uh, both of Tyler's parents dropping super stickers in the chat as they always do. Appreciate it. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about today or at least mention was something that Brandon Staley talked about in his press conference, because he's, uh, he's been dubbed like this analytics guy, right? Like everybody loves mm-hmm. analytics and Brandon Staley. And I, I saw even in the video that they posted of him signing autographs, like one of the fans was like, what about the analytics? What about the analytics? Uh, it has never been about just analytics for Brandon Staley. Yeah. And I think to anybody that listens, that has been abundantly clear. And he was asked about that again today. And he was like, listen, th- these decisions are a feel. They're about the mindset. They're about mm-hmm. confidence in your players. And I think that is the thing that I've loved to see about him. And, and obviously, I want to see some tweaks here. Like, I, I would love to see not see uh, going for it on uh, 4th and 17 or whatever on your own 20. Like, that okay. stuff can go away. But um, the 4th down thing has for him has always been an expression of confidence in Justin Herbert specifically and in the offense and, you know, to a lesser extent, the defense to be able to kind of hold up. So I love that we got that expression from him today. Cause it was really like the first time where he was like, I use math, but it's not the way that I make decisions today. So yeah, uh, I really like that from Brandon say that was kind of like my final thought that I had for the first day of training camp. Yeah. I mean, even when you talk about the fourth down from the own 23 in the Raiders game, it's like, that decision was partially made because Brandon Staley had no confidence in the run defense and it's hard mm-hmm. to really have confidence based on what last year's group was. Um, so, you know, if you're projecting the defense to be a little bit better this year, especially in the run game after signing Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson, um, then you could see the fourth down rate go down more in terms of those attempts. Uh, and so people's reaction or the national media reaction to that would be like, oh, we, we bullied Brandon Staley out of going for it all fourth down. It's just <laughs> like, no, he has a better defense now. And that's why he doesn't mm-hmm. have to go for it quite as often. Right. So definitely one of the feel for the game quotes, um, I think, was really good to hear just in terms of what the national media perception on Staley is versus what it actually is, uh, which is something we've always known. But, you know, obviously further emboldened. Yeah, I mean, and ditto all of that. If it were all about the analytics and he only relied on the numbers, then he would have gone for it more. There were plenty of instances, I think against yeah. the Vikings as well, where he could have gone for it and the numbers yeah. said, go for it, go for it, go for it. And he didn't. So there's obviously some, you know, taken into consideration, you know, the, the players' situations and all that. 
yeah, I'm sure it helps. Um, the numbers absolutely should inform your decisions to not use numbers would be ridiculous, but to also assume that he only relies on the numbers is ridiculous as well. So I'm, I'm glad he's sticking with his guns and I'm happy with it. Yeah. I mean, to your point, like he went against the numbers on every decision against the Denver Broncos. And I remember thinking like, what the hell, this is the Denver Broncos. Drew Locke <laughs> is their quarterback. Why are we not burying this team? Uh, so you know, I, I think it's just important for him to like grow in that confidence as Teresa is saying in, in the chat. And I think we saw that a little bit and have seen that a little bit with like how he is presenting himself with the media. So mm-hmm. that was my final thought. Alex, did you have any final thoughts before today? Uh, nope. I uh, just hope Durbin James signs that contract, get that done as soon as possible. And we get him practicing as soon as Tom Pelesco and Ed McGuire say so. Yeah, watch him. Watch them do the ad extension in like an hour. Four minutes right after. Yeah. Oh, it's it's coming at nine. It's coming at nine thirty. Telesco's, <laughs> Telesco's gonna let Ian Rappaport out of the basement and you know let him do it. But oh man, good stuff. That's that's always the case. I feel like we're either like get it right on the head or we're like, what the hell? Like we were just recording. <laughs> um, Tyler, any final thoughts today, man? No, I just happen to be back at training camp. I'll be there tomorrow and the next day and the next day and plenty of days after that. I appreciate UCI for working with me and giving me a week off in between the two summer sessions. Uh, glad that really worked <laughs> out. So I get to go to training camp and watch people throw against air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love it. Training camp is back. Football is back. Super excited for all of this. And uh, uh, can't wait to live vicariously through Tyler and Arjun over the next few days. So. Um, appreciate everybody in the chat. This is the most people we had live in quite some time. So, um, you know, thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you for uh, your great questions as well as, as your support. So uh, last thing here, in case you missed it, Tyler has uh, one tweet for a few giveaways, um, including a Derwin James jersey, as well as a Mike Williams jersey. So uh, and then I have a Joey Bosa giveaway pending on my page. So check those out. I uh, appreciate all your support. So if you're listening to the audio version of this show, please leave us a rating or a review. We always appreciate that feedback as well. If you feel like you have a very specific question that you want to get off your chest, you can do it in those reviews uh, and we'll be sure to answer those and feature them on a podcast. So um, that's going to do it. Thanks as always. Bolt up. <laughs>